decided today to take a little segue out of the light of eternity. And we'll get back to that as the Lord directs us. But um, while we wait, I hope you're remembering the topic last week, what to be doing while we wait, because Jesus is coming soon. But the Lord has been operating on my spirit, and I can't get away from this quote. Everybody quote after me. The same sun that softens the wax hardens the clay. It's about what you're made of, not the circumstances. Listen to me. Hear this. This is a message that I just can't get away from. I, I wanted to try to do something else. I had multiple other topics opened and ready to go, but the Lord just kept making it clear. This is what to preach. This is what to preach. Same sun that softens the wax hardens the clay. Life can be like a grindstone. Whether it grinds you down or polishes you depends on what you're made of. The same drop that shatters glass rebounds the rubber ball. It's about what you're made of, not the circumstances. The same boiling water that softens the potato hardens the egg. It's about what you're made of, not the circumstances. So what you're made of is revealed by the way you interact and respond to circumstances in your life, whether you succeed or you fail. It has everything to do, everything to do with the outcome, bless you. Everything to do with the outcome of uncontrollable circumstances. Have any of you ever had uncontrollable circumstances in your life? Raise your hand if you have. Have any of you had any uncontrollable circumstances? How many of you control of the weather? You control it personally. Would you raise your hand so I can talk to you right now? Yeah, none of us. Everybody has uncontrollable circumstances. I want you to join me in a scripture, a scripture that is found in your Old Testament. We're going to help hopefully nail that all down. It's not the circumstance, it's what you're made of. Here it is, Psalm 139, 23. Please read aloud with me. Let's all be interactive here today. Search me, it says. Search me, O God. Say it again. Search me, O God. That's not just for me to read. This is for us to read together. Search me, O God. And know my heart. If you're afraid to pray that today, I have a good message for you today. That'll help. Because some of us don't really want God to know our heart. He says, try me and know my anxieties. That's the New King James Version. Know my anxieties. See if there's any wicked way in me. See if there's any wicked way in me, Lord. And lead me in the way everlasting. In Jesus' name. Everybody whisper that prayer with me right now. Search me, O God. See if there's any wicked way in me. Try me and know my anxieties. Lead me in the way everlasting. I don't want to be in the way of destruction. I don't want to be walking along the pathway of the dead end. God, I want to lead, I want to be led in the way that is everlasting. Everybody say, Lord, lead me in the way everlasting. Come on, get a little smile on your face and say, God, lead me in the way everlasting. One thing I can do is I can pray. Search me. Know my heart. In Jesus' name. Praise God. You're welcome to take your seats.
Matthew 13, 23, after standing so long, I know now that you're seated, you feel like you're in the spa, so don't go quite asleep yet, okay? Psalm 139, 23, very important to this message. But then I want you to look in the New Testament, okay? Matthew 13, 23, and I'm using a paraphrase to help us capture a fresh nuance It says, the seed cast on good earth is the person. Hmm, a person. The seed cast on good earth is the person who hears and takes in. Everybody say, takes in. Take a deep breath. Takes in. Isn't it remarkable what happens when you take a breath? You don't think it's remarkable? Hold your breath for about five minutes and check back with us. It's remarkable. We stay alive. The seed cast on good earth is the person who hears and takes in the news. What news? The good news. The news of the gospel. The news that Jesus loves you. Jesus cares. Jesus died for you. And that Jesus himself has come in the form of of the comforter today to dwell in you. He said, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Jesus himself said, I'm with you now, but I will dwell in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. That good news that Jesus Christ has made himself spirit to dwell in us and transform everything about us is amazing news. It's the good news. Now, if you take that in, what happens? The person who hears and takes in the news then produces a harvest beyond his wildest dreams. Productive, a producer, someone who leaves with having made a difference. Once you are here and you've run your life, your course of has been run, you're not like, you're not like dipping your hand in a five-gallon bucket of water and pulling it back out. No one can see that you were there. No, that's what happens if you are not good earth. But good earth is in your control today, and you have, I believe, every one of us has an opportunity to make sure we are good earth. I want to be good earth. I only am clay. I'm just a jar of clay, right? We're earthen vessels, the King James says. That means jars of clay. I want to be good earth today so that when that news comes my way, I take it in. And I take it in wholeheartedly. And I receive it without equivocation and without hesitation and without analysis and without, without any degree of cynicism. I try to filter out all the talking heads and all of the television evangelists who failed morally. And I'm going to look at it personally and in a pure way and say, God, I don't care what's happened to others, but I'm going to look at this for myself, not through the eyes of a priest or a pastor, but I want to look at this through the eyes of an individual who wants to be good earth. Man, I wish everybody here is good earth. 
You know why? Because every one of us would be producing harvest beyond our wildest dreams. Let me just explain that to you in a second, okay? But let me make sure we're not going too quickly here. The same sun that softens the wax hardens the clay. Try to remember that before you leave here today. Make that a little quote that's committed to memory. The same sun that softens the wax hardens the clay. So which are you? Wax or clay? Which are you? Are you made of a material that polishes as you're being ground by the grindstone of life? Or are you made of material that is ground to powder, ending up perishing? Lord, help us to be like the rubber ball that knows how to be resilient and bounce rather than fall and break. Same boiling water that softens the potato hardens. I know I'm repeating myself. But the point is, you are in charge of what you're made of. And I hope today that everyone here today is sick and tired of being something that someone else has made you and you've let someone else control your identity and control your substance. It needs to be God and God alone, not a parent, not a grandparent, not a pastor, priest, or rabbi. Rabbi, it's gotta be you saying, Lord, I'm standing in the need of prayer and I want you to make something out of me. Lord, I wanna make sure I know what I'm made of. I wanna know what I'm made of. So, wouldn't it be nice if we could crack you open today and see what you're made of? Would anybody like to come up to the front and let's crack you open and see what you're made of? All we'll do is just a small little crack with a glass breaker on your head, and we'll crack it open and we'll see what you're made of. We need to take a look under the hood and see what makes you run, what makes you tick, right? Well, actually... You may look at me and say, well, that's just not possible. Well, I'm going to tell you, I'm sorry, you're wrong. We can take a peek under the hood. We can find out what we're made of. You ready for me to show you how? Okay, how about this? Photoplethysmography. Y'all excited about photoplethysmography? How many of you are excited about photoplethysmography? Well, I, I got to thinking, you know what? My Apple Watch is doing a lot of stuff. And it says it knows stuff about me on the inside that I'm like, wow, how are you supposed to know that? And I found out from the Apple website that it's photoplethysmography that's happening to me. If you have a Fitbit or you have an Apple Watch or whatever you have that's telling your heart rate, your pulse, your, 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 uh, your, uh, uh, your blood oxygen, I'm gonna tell you what's happening. You didn't even know it. We're so trusting, aren't we? We just walk right into the Best Buy and say, would you please do photosomography upon me? It's hard to say, I know. No, none of us have said that. Hey, do you have any photoplethysmography devices? But I just have to tell you, that's exactly how an Apple Watch can see under the hood without surgery, <laughs> without jabbing something in you. The heart rate sensor in an Apple Watch uses that technology. The technology, while difficult to pronounce, as you can very well understand here today, it's based on the simple fact. Blood is red because it reflects red light and it absorbs green light. Apple Watch uses green LED lights paired with light-sensitive photodiodes to detect the amount of blood flowing through your wrist at any given moment. 
Aren't you glad we don't have to cut your wrist, cut your hand off, and watch? No. All you need is photoplethysmography. Apple Watch uses those lights. They're light-sensitive photodiodes. They detect the amount of blood flowing through your wrist anytime you're wearing your watch. And when the heart beats, the blood flow in your wrist, the green light absorbs, it's greater absorbing. And between beats, it's less absorbing. So by flashing the LED lights underneath the Apple Watch against your skin hundreds of times per second, the watch can calculate the number of times the heart beats each minute. And there you have it. You have a heart rate. And your watch is telling you how fast your heart is beating. How fast is your heart beating right now? 106 beats per minute, it says right now. Well, that was 18 minutes ago. It's measuring right quick here. Photoplethysmography is happening before your very eyes. 97. Aren't you glad I told you that? Does that sound like a pretty healthy heart? 104 now. Hmm. The more I think about it, the higher it gets. <laughs> the newer Apple Watch series, they come with blood oxygen sensors to give you more ways to monitor your heart and your respiratory health. Together, they measure your oxygen saturation, your SpO2 in your blood, how much oxygen from your lungs, your red blood cells are picking up and transporting to all the other parts of your body, and it's all by a watch. Low blood oxygen levels are called hypo hypoxema. They've been linked with many heart and lung diseases such as asthma, pneumonia, congenital heart disease. By monitoring your SpO2, your Apple Watch might be able to warn you of potential health issues before you realize you have them. Now, let's not rush out and buy Apple Watches today, okay? But it's fascinating that technology can do that with a household device that you strap on your wrist. Now, how about this? How about some spiritual photoplethysmography this morning. How about letting God's word do a little EKG for someone and find out right now by shining a light in your heart, if you'll let it happen, find out from your soul level what you're made of. Would anybody be willing to let the Lord's word do an operation on you today and find out what it is that you're made of? Can I just tell you the Bible tells us in 2 Peter 1.19, we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines. Woo, catch this. The word of God. It's a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Praise God. Just, just close your eyes and say it with me, Lord, let the word of God shine a light in me right now. Search me. Search me. See if there be any wicked way in me. Lead me in the way everlasting. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Your makeup determines your outcome. Your composition, how you're composed, determines your destiny. Everyone here today, you're depending on having soil and I just want to tell you real quick, most every time you see soil, S-O-I-L, used in Scripture, if you'll just use S-O-U-L in its place, you're not far off from understanding what the Scripture is trying to say. <laughs> because the soil is the soul. 
Remember, the Bible says that God breathed into Adam's nostrils and he became living soil. Living soil. Well, he was living soil. I'm sorry to tell you this, but that's all you are. That's all I am. It's a little glorified lump of mud. Got all dressed up, smelling pretty good, and you know. But just really all we are, soil. How's your soil today? I want to make sure that I'm good soil. If I have to be soil, God, don't let me be just a bunch of little heap of mud balls sitting there and getting nothing done, making no difference in this world. The Lord Jesus Christ gives you the opportunity to determine, I believe, how you're composed, what you're made of, and it will change everything about your life if you will take time to consider. Isn't it amazing? The same sun that melts the wax hardens the clay. It's about the composition. You know, I got to thinking about this and I was reading in Daniel. My goodness, Daniel is a book that's made up of incredible material. You can teach it for at least 10 or 12 weeks. Isn't that right, brother and sister Roy? We love the book of Daniel, Southland's Bible study. Daniel 6.10. Watch this. Everybody look at this verse with me. Y'all just take a look. I'm going to show you something real quick. This is pretty amazing. Daniel, the Bible says, when he knew that he was about to be condemned, penalized for praying... When he knew the writing was signed, he went home. And in his upper room, with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times a day, and he prayed and gave thanks before his God as his custom was since early days. So he did this illegally now. You remember the story? These guys were jealous of Daniel because he was the top guy. He didn't deserve it. He's just, a, he's just a, a Jew. What's he doing in charge? And how is he so blessed? Why does he have the king's attention? Why is he calling the shots? He's lording it over us. Well, Daniel wasn't lording it over anybody. Daniel was just an amazing man who knew how to pray. Okay, now I want you to notice this. He prayed and gave thanks to God just like he always did, even though it was now illegal. Daniel 6.23 Jumping forward in the story to the end, the Bible says the king was exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the lion's den. He didn't have a scratch. He didn't even so much as have any lion spit on him, okay? Somehow the lions lost their appetite. Daniel was saved from the penalty that was that was meted out upon him by his enemies. Can I tell you, he was saved because he prayed? And because as a praying man, he knew he couldn't stop praying just because it was illegal. Legal or not, he's gonna pray. I want you to notice what prayer does to Daniel. Prayer lifts him up out of the lion's den. But watch what Daniel's prayer does to his enemies in the next verse. Same prayer, everybody say same prayer king gave the command and they brought those who had accused Daniel and they cast them into the den of lions. Them, their children, their wives. The lions overpowered them, broke all their bones in pieces before they ever came to the bottom of the den. Why? Because they missed a meal. Can you imagine that? They've been fasting. God gave them some kind of appetite suppressant and then he took it away. 
You know what would have solved this whole problem? If Daniel just had stopped praying. Everybody would still be alive. But Daniel's not going to stop praying. And Daniel said, you know what? Pray, I will. And prayer, same prayer. Everybody say, same prayer. That saved Daniel's life, cost the lives of his enemies. Same prayer. Wow. That's just like, wow, God Almighty. Let me be on the right side of that prayer. Anybody want to be on the right side of prayer today? Woo. So, if the same wax, the same water, the same fall, same prayer, if all that's true, which it is, then I want to show something to you in the latter part of this message. Watch this. The same word is a stepping stone to some people, but a stumbling block to others. The same word is a fragrance of eternal life for some, but noxious fumes of destruction for others. Same word. Same word, same seed of bursting potential. My goodness. Can I tell you I love my new Bible here given to me and my new brother, Tim Gilliam. It just stays open. Isn't that beautiful? The same word. Thank you, brother Tim. The same word. This is bursting with potential if you'll read it. How many of you love the Bible? How many of you... Turn on your Bible now more than you open your Bible. Come on. <laughs> you know, I kind of got to go half because I really do turn my Bible on a lot. It's not the best way because it's distracting when you get a notification on your Bible. If you read this, no notifications pop up. It's always on sleep mode. I mean, wake up. Well, airplane mode. If you start reading your Bible like this and you start getting text messages, I'd go to your psychiatrist pretty quickly and say, get, get a checkup because there's nothing popping up here but just the word. I praise God for the word. This word right here, I want you to think about it. It is bursting, 66 books bursting with potential. The words that Jesus spoke, woo, you talk about potential power. You talk about transformation. You talk about eternal life. But the sad fact is that it depends on the composition of your reception the receiver, the hearer, the one that's catching it, the one that's receiving the word of God. It's, I'm going to show you this, the same seed can give life or take life away. So I want to make sure we're all on the right side of this, making sure we have the right stuff made of the right materials. Okay, now everybody, Matthew 13, 18. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. Instead of reading through these, I'm going to just preach through them quickly. Declare and proclaim as we go. Ready? Matthew 13, 18. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower, the one who went out and planted seed. He'd already declared, and I already read it to you, the seed is the word. The seed is the news. Remember? You all remember we said that? Oh, no, we got to go back. Oh, please. The seed is the news. <laughs> it's okay to nod. You know, it's okay to nod even if you don't agree. Just kind of move along. This first kind of soil Jesus is declaring. Watch, and I'm going to declare it right along with Jesus. He says in verse 19, when anyone hears the word 
of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who received seed by the wayside. Nothing came of it. <laughs> it's the presence of God's powerful bursting with potential seed with zero impact. Zero impact. You know what I call it? I call it drive-bys. People who are drive-bys when it comes to understanding the gospel are just simply those who, as the definition says, they, 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 they have a quick or cursory glance at the scripture, quick cursory glance at what's happening in a church or a sign or a, or a billboard or maybe your witness. Can I tell you, I'm glad that the gospel has been preached in every nation. I declare it has. Rapture's at hand. But just because it's been preached in every nation does not mean that it has been received in the hearts of the nations. This is what we call wayside soil. Wayside means sidewalk. It means crusted surface with no tenderness and no willingness to receive. This is God's word with zero impact. It might be that the gospel, yes, it has gone into all the world, like I said, but as we know today, the whole world has not been impacted. There are billions who have this level of availability but have yielded zero accessibility to their minds or their hearts. They just keep going like nothing happened. Would to God the whole world would stop today. Would to God that everyone in this house today would stop and say along with me, come into my heart, word of God. Come into my heart and stay. Come in and be a part of my everyday, everyday thought processes. Who I love, whoever I speak to, my decisions I want to be, not just a drive-by. I hope your Bible does not just grow dusty. I hope your Bible does not grow unused. Constantly recommending people to get the version Bible app and read it. Let it read to you. <laughs> Praise God. The word of God is alive and it is well today. It just requires there to be more than packed down soil of your heart. But that's the best and the easiest way because basically you don't have to have any accountability to what you've heard. You just go your way, kind of like the rich young ruler. This is the perfect example of someone with wayside soil in their heart. Just didn't care, wasn't really pushed into any kind of question and not really open, but closed. Jesus looking at him in Mark, Mark 10, 21, he loved him. And he said, one thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have. Jesus is giving him the good news. Jesus is giving him eternal life. Give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Come, take up your cross and follow me. But watch this wayside soil. He was sad at this word and he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. The word of God did not make a difference in his heavenly status. He didn't change his course. He's a drive-by. Watch out if the word of God is ever allowed to be drive-by in your heart. Here's why, what we have to do, and I'm going to get to this just, just as we're wrapping up, but I just want to make sure everybody understands. <laughs> Don't let 
the evil, the wicked one come along and snatch the word away because you're distracted and you're thinking of other things. But here, here's what you need. You need to come to church every single time the doors open so that a scarecrow like your pastor can be standing there saying, get away, wicked, evil birds from the seed of the word of God. You can have a whole choir up here helping to sing. They're like the scarecrows. You know what they're doing? They're scaring away the evil ones so that you can receive and give the word of God some time in your heart and your life. Catch those lyrics. They're straight out of the Bible. Catch the opening. Catch the preliminaries. We're a, we're a word-driven church. I don't know if you ever thought of that before, but really a scarecrow is needed. So let the word abide. Okay, now, next is the stony soil. The stony soil is, verse 20, he who receives the seed on stony places, same seed, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself. See the composition? The internal makeup of this individual he has no root in himself but endures only for a while Woo! this is exciting Woo! i love this but you know what so do i love the merry-go-round at the amusement park you know i love love the roller coaster do you want to live on it no i don't think so Listen, if you come to church and you are interested in God's word because it's just joyful and you just love it because of what it does for you and how good it feels, that is a pretty bad sign that you might not yet have root in yourself. This is what he says. It says, this individual endures, but only for a while. For, here it is, when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, everybody say, because of the word, Immediately he stumbles. King James says he's offended. So, stony soil is soil that has a lot of impediments. Pause and think about that. What is an impediment? Something that impedes. It's a hindrance or an obstruction. Something that obstructs and stops the seed from having access to a deep place. Woo. I'm just going to say a few words here and I'm moving move along. But shallow reception is this right here. It's impeded because it's just not convenient for your life right now. You got too much happening. Too many irons in the fire. Too many bills to pay. Too much to worry about. This world has really got you thinking about it rather than you having a desire to dig into the word and let the soil of your heart dig the word into you and grow some roots. Don't you love it when there are individuals, and I know most everyone here has family members that have let the word of God grow deep roots in their heart. And that those roots in your heart are what, what I'm preaching for us all to crave to crave, but this is the shallow reception of stony soil that I'm telling you about right here. It's impeded because of attention deficit. Everybody's got attention deficit, raise your hand. I know by you raising your hand, you don't. All those who did not raise their hand, hmm. Attention deficit. Hard to pay attention. It's getting harder because of our world. 
but I've got to tell everybody here today, it is absolutely urgent that we recognize your attention is needed to this matter I'm preaching about today. What kind of soil are you? And what does the word of God encounter when it encounters you? Does it encounter a drive-by? Is it like a glancing off? Is it like a bullet hitting a bulletproof vest with no penetration? Is it like that? Or is it stony soil where it gets in, but it doesn't get real far? It's impeded. The Bible character, the Bible character, the best Bible character I can think of that is like this stony soil person. And I, I don't know if you're like me. I like to think of an example. Show me an example. Rich young ruler, drive by. Absolutely. He didn't let it get any further than shallow. Like, he didn't even go shallow. He just was a surface glance. He went away. No change. But I want to show you a guy named Nicholas real quick. Did you know there's a guy named Nicholas in the Bible? I see Nicholas as being someone who had stony soil, shallow reception, attention deficit. He had misconstrued priorities. He received the word with joy, but he only endured for a while. Nicholas was a proselyte of Antioch. He's one of the first seven church deacons chosen to look after the business matters of the early church in Acts 6. But his dedication to the message that I'm preaching to you today was short-lived. According to early writings on heresy or backsliding, Nicholas eventually backslid and introduced the doctrine of the Nicolaitans to the church. His doctrine came about as a knee-jerk reaction to the legalism of the Jewish people who still believed in Moses' code, but it abused Paul's doctrine of the grace of God and introduced a false freedom into the church. So Nicholas and his followers, they swerved way off the path in combating one extreme by teaching another extreme. Huge problem, folks. Can I tell you, in the book of Revelation, that's where you've heard of this. John, the writer, compares the Nicolaitans to Balaam in the Old Testament who cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel. Balaam was unsuccessful in cursing Israel from outside, but he taught them to mix godliness and worldliness, and they cursed themselves from within. More on this later, but I'm just giving you a header here. This same spirit was behind Nicholas's doctrine. It was based on Greek dualism. I want you to remember this now, okay, friends? When you read your book of Revelation and you see it says the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, remember Nicholas was one who was a receiver of the word, but he received it short term. He was stony soil material. He was not made of good soil. The kind of soil that he needed to be would not have let this happen. He said, you know what we can do, Christians? Since you're sinners saved by grace, you can live like the world on the outside and still remain saved on the inside. Doctrine of the Nicolaitans. Balaam taught that. So, that's Revelation 2.15. Thus you've also, who hold those, the doc, those who hold the doctrine of Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. Repent or else I will come to you quickly and I will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. God said, I hate the doctrine of Nicholas. So what's up with that? Let me tell you what's up with that. Nicholas had enough power, joy, and zeal to go a few years in the church. But then... 
because of the Word. (laughs) Come on now, somebody. Offended by the Word. This Word can't really mean this. This Word is not really going to disrupt my life like that. No, no, no. i got to reframe this Word, and i got to make it say what I think it says rather than being completely honest with Scripture. God, give me a church that's honest with Scripture. God, give me a pastor who's honest with Scripture. God, give me families who are honest with Scripture. Honesty with Scripture is all that God is asking for. He says, do not be stony soil receiving it short term. He says, because of offense, immediately there's a stumbling and there's a departure. And the stony soil, same, everybody say same word, comes to nothing. Let's go to the thorny soil. Okay, I hope I'm not moving too quickly here. Shallow reception is the stony soil. Let me tell you what the thorny soil is. It's slow fade reception. Call it slow fade. It's historical drift reception. Barely discernible crops of well-intentioned weeds strangling out that power of the human soul that we only have so much time and attention to focus on something so we turn to other things All right, hear me when I tell you this. And let's look at the verse. Verse 22. Everybody with me? Verse 22. Now he who received seed among the thorns is he who hears the word. Ooh, but here's the problem. The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. Cares of the world. Dee, remember you just taught last Tuesday? Remember you taught about loving the house of God more than the God of the house? See, that's thorny soil. When we let the cares of life and responsibilities overcome our love for the one who gave us life, worshiping the creature more than the creature more than the creator, giving thanks to ourselves more than we give thanks to God. Oh God, help us not to be those who might be thorny soil saints of God and individuals who have this short you know it's not even short term it's just that the you go with it and there's a joy there's a happiness there's a power but over time there is this well-intentioned strangling out of the finite power that you have and suddenly you're like you know what I just don't know if I really have time to go to a prayer meeting anymore but I'll try to pray in the car And I just don't know if I really have time to read my Bible, but you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to go to church, and hopefully that satisfies it. I hope I really don't have time to study and to know the Word of God, but you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to hope my pastor will cover for me. No, 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 folks, you can't have it. That cannot be the case. We can't say, God, I've got to take care of my 401k. I've got to answer this. I've got to pay that bill. I've got to rush here. I've got to rush there. Folks, can I tell you that over and over I see it happen, that urgency overwhelms importance, and people crash and burn because of thorns in their lives weeds that grow up the perfect bible character of that i think is demas demas was a man who traveled with paul a man who cried with paul prayed with paul but demas was a man in second timothy 4:10 that forsook paul having loved this present world and has departed there you have thorny soil thorny soil Lord, I want to stay in love with the God of the house more than the house of God. Can you say amen? 
How about you? How about we just maybe interlace our fingers like that and say, God, I want to stay in love with you, God. I want to be in love with the God of the house. I want to be in love with the God of the word. I want to be in love with the power of your spirit, Lord. And I want to be in love with you and you alone. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, in Jesus' name. Oh, hallelujah. Aren't you glad, church, uh, that today you have the opportunity not to walk out of here feeling all sad and depressed because you're bad soil? No, every one of us gets to walk out of here saying, you know what, I'm making myself well composed. I'm going to make sure that I am made up of good soil. Here is what it says about the good soil. He who received seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands the word and indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty and some thirty. I'm so glad to tell you this is a reaping and a harvest beyond the wildest dreams of this soil. Could never do it on its own could never do it without the seed but the seed mixed into the soil makes for something that is absolutely extraordinary can I tell you the difference right here here's the contrast the apostle Paul was a man who was good soil good soil he's my best example because you know what he did he traveled throughout the known world made multiple missionary trips planted churches here and there and everywhere he appointed elders in every city he was a man who had the gospel so deeply in his heart that he could could not let it change him besides to be more godly and more holy and more thoughtful of the things of God. Even in prison, even stoned, even left for dead and even thrown into the sea to drown. He was the man who said, I'm not going to let any of that stop me. You talk about good soil. You talk about hundreds of thousands. And you talk about almost over half of your New Testament written by a man who had good soil. That's the essence of good soil. Versus the rich young ruler who we know nothing of, who did nothing with his life. He had a lot of stuff. Oh, yeah, he had money. He had toys. No doubt he had houses and land, and he had mm, he could stuff to brag about. But his life amounted to zero when it comes to the soil of his soul. So let's wrap this up. Stringently suggesting some responses. Are you all ready for this? I'm going to stringently suggest these responses because you can do something with this message or you could do nothing with it and it's really your choice I mean that's the whole point right <laughs> everybody did you get that hopefully you at least got that right I'm going to tell you three keys of good soil three keys of good soil number one receptive number one receive it say pastor teacher singers be my scarecrow Scare off the things that are going to make the evil one, the wicked one, come along and, and steal the word away from me. I want to stay focused on God, focused on prayer, focused on fasting. Can I just tell you the Bible tells us in James 1.21, Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. Everybody look at this with me. James 1.21 And receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls be doers of the word and not hearers only i love it if we could all get ready to stand up and turn to god in prayer today and say god here's my first prayer i want to receive 
I want to be receptive. I want the word of God to be received into my spirit, God. I want it to be implanted in me, deeply in me, never ever able to be taken away. Receptive. That's, that's what the wayside soil was missing, was being receptive. Can I tell you number two? Here's your second element of good soil. Internalizing. Internalizing. And in, in order to do that, you need to become a rock picker. You do. Got to get those stones out. Get those stones out. Can I just tell you, I'm so thankful that I have this example in Romans six seventeen. It says, but God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart. You talk about internalizing. Woo! Come on, somebody. If you had the opportunity, how many of you just let the Word of God soak right through your skin into your heart? God, I want it to be internalized. I want to receive and obey from the heart what I have been taught from the pure pages of the Word of God. What is the pure message of the Gospel? It is simply this. Jesus died. Oh, thank you, Lord, for your willingness to die upon a cross. And He was buried. And thank you, Lord, for being willing to go into the grave and letting the stone be rolled before the mouth of the grave. And He rose from the dead. Thank you, Lord, for your resurrection. That's the gospel. You thankful for the gospel today? Here's how you activate the gospel. You activate the gospel by obeying the plan of salvation, which is a perfect overlay. The plan of salvation is we do the same thing. We repent just like Jesus died. We have to die to our old ways. And then we are buried in water. Let me just make sure this water is warm enough for anybody to get baptized. Oh, my goodness, it's probably 78 degrees. Hallelujah. We got robes, we have hair dryer, we have towels. Anybody who hasn't been baptized, you can go into that watery grave and be buried with Jesus Christ in baptism. That's what the Bible says. And when you're buried with him in baptism, then you have the opportunity to be raised to newness of life. And when you're buried with him, you're buried in his name, the glorious name above every name, the name of Jesus Christ at whom every knee shall bow and every tongue confess the name. See, this is internalizing it. The way I'm preaching right now with all this high heart rate stuff. And I'm hollering it passionately. I'm going to tell you why. It's because it's in my heart. It's deep. It ain't going away. And then the last thing, not only receptive and internalizing, but let me tell you what you need to do. And I need to do this too. I'm preaching to myself. We need to be curators of our lives curators. I don't believe I've ever used that word before in a message. But here's what I'm talking about. A curator is someone who selects, organizes, and presents items for an exhibit, like a museum. And a curator has an agonizing job because a curator has to leave a lot of really good stuff in the warehouse. Beautiful stuff. Amazing stuff. Fantastic stuff. But realize... It won't all fit in the museum. And if you try to put it all in the museum, nobody will have space to walk around. And for sure, no one will appreciate it. So you got to be selective. God, help me to be a curator. We need weed pullers. Weed pullers. Weed pullers. People who know how to simply say, okay, that stays, that goes. 
And it may not be sin. Okay? Hebrews 12, 1 makes it very clear. It says, <clears throat> let us lay aside every weight and the sin. See, that's curation. That's curating. How many of you want to become curators today? How about we wake up for sure and say, God, make me a curator. Lord, I don't want to let junk grow in my life that doesn't belong there. Why? Because if I let that grow, then something else will want to grow. Before you know it, something else will want to grow. And then I've got to take care of this and I've got to take care of that. What God, I believe, is calling on us to do is to lay aside things that keep us out of church. Lay aside things that keep us from our Bible. Lay aside the things that keep us from prayer. Lay aside the things that keep us from meditation. If that is something you can possibly consider today and you start to say, God, I'm ready to be a curator, then I believe you're on your way to be in good soil. Let us run with endurance because those sins which easily ensnare us have got to be discarded. They've got to be set aside. Weights have got to be put away. And know that as we are carefully picking, pulling things out of our lives, we're just pulling things that are eventually going to destroy us because we're crowding our path too much. So, musicians are joining me, and it's almost time for us to stand in prayer. And I hope you've got a list of things to pray about today. God, I want to be receptive. I want to be internalizing. And God, I want to be a curator. Lord, help me to do better. There's nothing more important in my life. No relationship. There's no job. There's no fund. There's no schedule. There's nothing more important than the word of God having access to my heart from the very depths. And I want the word of God to be preeminent and my priority. Here, here today, I have to simply say as I conclude, your composition is within your reach. One simple action on your part satisfies your soul's original manufacturer instructions. One thing, it's called repent. So simple. What does repent mean? Well, repent is something that preached throughout the Bible. It's something that was needed in the Garden of Eden. Repent. Turn around. Rethink it. Let your life be focused on God, not yourself. Repent, because that's the single most effective tool for digging deep, for moving rocks, and for rooting out weeds. Repent and live a life filled with dying to yourself on a regular basis. Can I invite you as you stand together? Be the wax, friends. Be the wax. Be resilient, friends. Let God's word soften your heart today. Let prayer knowledge of your soul's composition be your salvation today I'd love it if someone here today would say okay God I'm ready to adjust my heart composition God I'm ready to go deep I want to clear the rubble I'm ready to make hard curating choices for things that I will allow to sap my energies and attract my attention God I want to be more like you how do we do these things I say it again, we repent of our sin. Repent. The Apostle Peter said to those who wanted to know how to be saved, he said, repent and be baptized. Every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. 
Anybody want to be wildly productive in the rest of this year? The rest of your life? Listen, if World War III begins before we meet again, I hope this is a message that you're going to have locked in and not be someone that says, well, it's getting too hard for me. No, no, no. If you let this message lock in, then you know what? I I don't care what happens to this world. We can look at our flesh and say, you know what, flesh? You're not that important. What's important is my soul. It's not important what my appetite is. It's not important what my entertainment is or my safety and security. What's important is the Word of God be given access to the very depths of my heart. Anybody and everybody who's ready to be up to 100 times more productive than you've ever been, this is a message for you. <laughs> I think I'm ready. And I think I'm looking at a bunch of folks who are ready. I think it'd be great to have the first wave of people in this altar, those who are like saying, God, I am so done being lackluster in my, in my fruitfulness. I'm ready to be 100%. I'm going to shoot for 100%. I want to be good soil. Transform my soul to be good soil. Lord God, make me receptive. Help me to internalize and help me, Lord God, to weed out the stuff that doesn't belong. In Jesus' name, make me a man, make me a woman, make me a boy or a girl who is after your heart. Not satisfied by the things of this world. Hungry, hungry for more. Ready to do the bidding of my great God and Savior. In Jesus' name. I leave this message with you, friends. Would you take it with you to prayer right now? Let's make this a serious prayer request. God, forgive me if I have been resistant. Lord God, forgive me if I have been keeping a shallow experience out of convenience. Lord, forgive me if I've been letting stuff crowd my life. I am so ready, Lord, to be a good soil man, good soil woman, turning my world upside down, declaring the goodness of God in my everyday life. In Jesus' name.